Busquets settles. Campana wants it behind. Busquets for Campana. Moore got it wrong. Campana's in to win League's Cup over Panico. Campana over the world. Oh, my God. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Offside. It's me, Taylor Twelman. What a night. After Sunday's League Cup final in Nashville, I literally ran onto the field and grabbed a mic, but I also wanted real perspective, not from Messi and Busquets and Jordi Alba and Tata Martino. I wanted perspective of the guys that started the year in Miami. Inter-Miami goalkeeper, Drake Callender, defender, Kamal Miller, midfielder, Robert Taylor, and his dad, Paul Taylor. After that, I then hopped on the mic with Sasha Kleshton, Marisa Du to talk about where League's Cup goes from here. And we sprinkle in a little bit of what we're looking for in the final stretch of the MLS regular season. So without further ado, here we go. Drake, we're sitting here, Geodas Park, we're on the field. You've got confetti all over you. You know this really happened, right? It's sinking in. It's sinking in. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty surreal. I mean, just the entire game in itself was loaded with action, loaded with big moments. And for it to come down to PKs, for me to take my first PK. <laughs> Have you practiced it before or no? I actually practiced them earlier, earlier this week in the event that this happened. So uh, that was my first professional goal, as well as uh, I made my first two saves in a PK shootout. Just huge night. It's just uh, one of the biggest moments in my career. Kamal, I thought you were fantastic all tournament long. So Neville told me before the season started, he desperately wanted to go out and get a center back that defined this team. He went out and got you. Tata Martino comes in. You guys look like a completely different team. Yeah. Can you believe this just happened? Uh, no, no, I really can't believe it. Uh, we have all the pieces, but to put it together so fast and to get to success winning the tournament, it feels so good. A major credit to Tata for setting us up so well and giving us that confidence just to go and play, do what we do. The best part about being on the field after a League's Cup trophy presentation is I just ran into Robert Taylor's dad. <laughs> You're on a field in Nashville, Tennessee, celebrating a trophy with your son. Yes. Is this what dreams are made of? It is. I'm proud of all the team and, of course, Robert. Robert, I got to ask you, bud. Some would say in this tournament, the breakout star would be you. Phil Neville would look at me and say, no, this has always been Robert Taylor. What do you say to that? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a breakout star or anything. I just, I honestly think we improved as a team because of the new signings so much. So they bring the best out of everyone. So like I've said before, I've been an attacking player. When you play with Messi attacking, you're going to get chances and you just got to take them away. And I happen to take some of my chances away and some of not. <laughs> What's amazing to me is as a goalkeeper, you have the perfect view when Messi takes free kicks or he scores a goal like he did tonight. What's it like watching him this close? I mean, what, that was maybe the third, third, <laughs> exactly. top, third top corner, you know, <laughs> shot he's hit from, from that distance. So, I mean, it's still unreal to see and just, just to watch from the angle that I have. Yep. It's just amazing what he's able to do and what he's able to produce. Uh, he's been 
a leader. He's been a great attribute to our team, and um, it helped us win the tournament. Keeper versus keeper in round 11. So when you're grandpa, what's the one story you're going to tell about this League's Cup run with Inter-Miami and Lionel Messi? Oh, that every time I was going to take a PK, he told me, don't <laughs> worry, you got this. <laughs> he had confidence in me. Crazy. Yeah, but you took pens well. So yeah. it, it looked like you would take pens your whole life. Yeah, Is it, that it, not true? Hidden talent. Hidden talent. Who knew? <laughs> you got to play in an Open Cup semifinal on Wednesday. I can't believe you guys might win two, maybe three trophies this year. Yeah, that's the goal. We'll see what happens. Robert, pleasure watching you play. Keep it going, and I'll see you August 30th in Miami. All right, so we're live from Geodas Park. I'm exhausted. Mo's exhausted. It's Marisa Du. He's going to go by Mo. Mm. Sasha Kleshin's here from his four-and-a-half-week vacation in Croatia. Where, where'd you go, Sasha? You know I show up for the big games, Taylor. Don't worry <laughs> about where I was, dude. I'm no, here but now. I, in all seriousness, your vacation looked amazing. It was amazing. Went to Italy, Croatia, little stop off in Brussels at my old club, went to London, and then I showed up for the semifinals. Money, 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 money. <laughs> money. Speaking of money, honestly, he had 12 touches. Lionel Messi had 12 touches until the goal. 12. Sasha, Mo and I have been doing this for four weeks. I'm struggling for words to describe it. You go first. What, Inevitable. What was that? Inevitable. That's all it is. Is Messi, he did this in the World Cup. If you just isolated and watched him during the game, he walks so much. Oh, yeah. But he's constantly checking his shoulders, and he's constantly scheming and pointing to his teammates where to play the ball, where to set up. And when he gets one chance, he wraps his left foot around it like we've seen time and time again, and that goal was unbelievable. I mean, I don't think Nashville defenders should even be that upset with how they defended it. It was five guys, Mo. It was five guys around the ball. They were there, but he cuts it backwards to find the half an angle, and then Panico, who, by the way, six four and a half, fully stretched out, and he still can't get a hand on it. I think throughout the course of, well, the course of his career, but specifically the course of this League's Cup, you just see the difference in quality. He doesn't need 15 shots. Yep. He's so efficient. And this is why throughout this tournament, he's been the different ma difference maker game in game out and why he can walk, why he can seem like he's out of games for long stretches because all he needs is that one moment. It's a play that Nashville's going to look back on and think, well, they try to cross the ball. We got a total. It deflected it. We yep. had about seven bodies back there. Yep. Seven bodies. But Gary Smith said it right after the game. He said, we limited Lionel Messi to one shot he scored and a second shot he hit the post. And that's the difference. That's the fine margin that Messi has above everybody else in the world. That's the thing that I think I'm going to leave here. I, obviously talking about the history, 44 trophies more than anyone that's ever played the game. I get all of that. But when I roll up my sleeves and think about the game, I thought Nashville was the better team. I did. It, and I, and I, I was confused and concerned, actually is a better word, that Gary Smith was overthinking it by playing Sam Surge, who, by the way, had three goals on 117 minutes all off the bench, playing Fafa Pico from the start. He had to. Jacob Schaufelberg was 100% fit. But, Sash, you were in the meetings. We were talking about this before the game. I think Gary Smith got it right. I liked what he did. They were aggressive from the first moment. 
I, I saw Anibal Godoy yes, getting pieces of it. people early on. Loved they were it. not afraid of anybody. They they came out of halftime the exact way they needed to and flipped the game. They used set pieces, which is their strength. And then when the crowd got into it after they scored the next 10, 15 minutes, it was all Nashville. I loved what they did. And I heard what you said on the broadcast at the end of it. And, and I totally agree. No team in the East is going to want to come to this no. stadium to play a playoff game. No team in the East. No. And so if, if, the, if Nashville can keep pushing on and get some type of home field advantage for the playoffs, they're a playoff team, but, a playoff but, built team to win. But real quick, Mo, before you chime in here, Sash, LA Galaxy, you were on the team last year. You guys beat Nashville a lot. How'd you beat them? Because I do think they're a tough out. Yeah. But you guys had success beating yeah, them. Yeah, it was it was purely on on controlling the game with possession. Yeah. And and with the Galaxy, we had tons of possession and and limited Mukhtar getting the ball in open space. And and that was the recipe. We saw tonight a little bit different from from Miami. They they let Nashville have the ball a little bit more than I thought they would. Yep. And tried to open up some space on the counter, but Nashville was just good. They were really good. Mo, would you agree with that or no? 1,000%. And I think so often we talk about the importance of a home field advantage, but I don't think teams always utilize that. I think Nashville, barring the final result, which they lose in penalty kicks, they got every ounce out of what a home field advantage should be. Right? They fed into the crowd from minute one. They were combative. They pressed. I love that they never shied away from being who they are. Right. They embraced who they are and they made this game a hell of a game and they made it incredibly difficult for Inter Miami. And then they had another level to them. Right. In the first half, there were moments where you were like, okay, this is this looks good. They're doing a good job of containing Inter Miami. Then they get the goal and it's like, all right, how do you respond? Second half, whatever Gary Smith said to them in that locker room, they came out a team possessed, a team that was confident, a clean a team that had a clear direction on how they wanted to go and, and get back. Firstly, get back into this game yep. and then create chances to ultimately win it. They came up short, but I think the beauty of tournaments is the journey, right? And for Nashville, they came into this tournament. They'd lost five out of the last six games. They're going to go back into league play. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a down moment for them. But when they look at their body of work throughout this tournament, they grew. They grew into this tournament. And to get to this stage and the performance they put out, not the result, but the performance they put into this, if they can use this to now go back into the second half of the season, man. Yeah, they're good. I mean, we're, we're sitting here at Geodas Park. They're cleaning off the confetti. They're cleaning down the, the stage. I thought Geodas Park was a real star tonight. They built this building thinking that it could be home field advantage. Now, my partner Jake Zivin and I, we had called games here where it was more Club America, more Monterey. Tonight was not. When Messi came out, Sash, for the warmups, dude, I loved it. Loved it. My favorite moment of the game was when the players were walking out on the pitch to start the game and Hani Mukhtar came out last and it got so loud in here. They started chanting MVP, MVP. I looked to my left and saw the supporters in Nashville all in yellow, chanting as loud as they could. I thought I was at a Borussia Dortmund game. I honestly, you know, the yellow wall at Dortmund, you've seen it. It's yep. amazing. And I looked around, I thought... We're in America right now, and it gave me goosebumps. I played it was at Dortmund against Germany, lost 4-1, just so you guys know. Yeah, Germany was really I good that day. I played at Dortmund. We tied them 1-1. Oh, of course you did. You That's know. the only reason why it I brought it up. Subtle flex. No, no it's just it's subtle flex. Just so you know, I ran into Oliver Kahn and Steve Terundolo, got his first international goal in that game. That was a 4-1. Okay. We sucked. Bruce Arena cut me the next day. It was awesome. Let's talk about that. Anyways, go ahead, Mo. Like, I, I felt... 
first off, the Hani Mukhtar champ, awesome. Now, I want to get into him in a moment. But there are moments in your franchise history. Listen, both these clubs' franchises came in at the same time, 2020, right? They opened up at Titans football stadium, Nissan Stadium. We did their playoff game on ESPN against the New York Red Bulls. It's nothing like this. The sun goes down. It's dark a little bit. The lights are just on the field. There's an aura here. This place delivered, man. And I don't know if I want to come here and play a playoff game. Now I'm going to bring it back to Hani Mukhtar. He was not good tonight. You think so? He was not good tonight. And here's why. Hani Mukhtar at his best is win. In the counterattack, out in the break, open field. Now in the first half, 20 touches. I did a little quick research before doing this. I know we're on the fly. It's the fewest touches he's had in the first half of any game this year. See, I don't know. So is that would, more Miami? Because I don't think Miami was that. I would, I would challenge that, okay? And I, what I would say is that the biggest moments, he played a role in. The Fair. goal that Sam Surridge should have scored, he plays a role in. There was about two he or three plays. a role play- in, bro. That, that play was He, sick, he did dude. it himself. He did it he, all. He, he, the turn on Kamal Miller yeah. was absurd. Yes, yeah. it was. And, and even so prior to that as well, what he did that Miami didn't do was he threatened behind. There were a couple plays that they played the ball in behind for his run. They yep. caught it offside. A couple that the pass was just narrowly cut out or maybe overhit. But I thought in the second half especially, he was a constant runner, a constant threat in behind. And ultimately, yeah, he created the chance that should have been yep. the decisive moment in that game. So I'm excited to see more of him and his pairing with, with, with Serge. Yeah, yeah, because that two-striker system – where you have one who's a constant threat, whether it's Sam Surridge playing a little bit higher or it's Hani Mukhtar threatening yep. him behind, that allows you down to have space. When you when you compare that to Miami, it was the exact opposite. The one time that we saw Miami actually threatening behind was the very last play of the game where Leo Capana gets the chance. Obviously, we know By how to way, finish. By the way, what happened? Yeah, bro, we were going crazy. <laughs> yeah, we were absolutely going wild. crazy over there. <laughs> well, yeah. what? We were, we were on that side of the pitch. That's yeah. where our booth was at, or our set was at. And we're watching this. We're on our feet like, oh, my God, it's about to happen. And then, bruh. Speechless, dude. Bruh. We, we, we didn't know what to say. But I also, I got to push back a little bit, Taylor. Because Absolutely. Hani Mukhtar is not the type of player that needs a lot of touches Great to make point. an impact. Great point. Like Lionel Messi. Messi can walk around, but when he gets his moments to change gears, he can change gears. Hani Mukhtar is like that. Dax McCarty, Sergio Busquets, they need lots of touches to influence the game. Mukhtar doesn't need that. And I think in a few moments, especially that one where he set up Sturridge, that was world-class. And, and it was a great pass, and Serge could have scored the game winner. He could have. I don't know if he should have. He could have. Calendar made a hell of a save. I think he's got to finish that. I think he's got to. And listen, I'm not a goal scorer. You were a goal scorer. I, I just it, but look, yeah. I just look at that and... I think a player, he scored three goals in six shots prior to that, right? Yep. He showed a level of efficiency around the 18 where whether it's he knows the technique to use to strike the ball, he knows where he's, where he's aiming. And that one, Bradley Wright Phillips, I mean, he broke it down really well. He talked about the accuracy wasn't there. There was not enough power on the shot either. So it ends up being a comfortable save. I think there's even a chance, and listen, I'm not a goal scorer, so I'm just talking what I see from the lens of Normally, I'm a player watching the play develop behind the striker, so my vision of it is a little bit different. I think there's even a, a shot for him to maybe even go near post, right? But if he is going far post, I think he's got to put his laces through that and truly force a save out of calendar. I thought it was a comfortable strike, not enough power on it, kind of side foots it. And in this kind of game, in that kind of moment, against Inter-Miami, if you don't take your chances, man, they find a way to punish you. So two things. One... Surge accuracy was fine. Rewatch it again. Two, 
Apple TV, slow-mo. We think it was hit slow. It was actually hit well. I think he does need to put his laces through it. Absolutely, 100%. I think if he puts his laces through it, goes near post, it's a goal. Ball's coming across your body. When you go back across, it naturally takes power away from it. If he goes near post, sure. Drake Callender made one hell of a save on that. Drake Callender for me is, I mean, probably... Or he's not player of the tournament because Messi no, had 10 no, goals I'm in seven I'm games. I'm trying to think of where I, where I would rank him in terms of like standout performers on, on Inter-Miami, and he's up there because we knew that Inter-Miami would score goals. You have Lionel Messi on your team. We knew that they would, have, they would dictate games because you have Sergio Busquets as your playmaker, as your defensive midfielder, as your quarterback from that position. So it was always going to be a question of how good would they be defensively. Going all the way back to game one, we were there, Cruz Azul. Yep. It's his saves that keep that team, that keep Inter-Miami in the game and allow Messi to come on, score the free kick that we all talk about and for obvious reasons. But it's, I think it's his saves in that game. It's his saves throughout the course of, the, of this tournament. He's made big plays to keep them in this game, and tonight was just another example of that. I brought up Hani Mukhtar because after the game in the tunnel, I saw him, and he said, I could have and should have been better. And I was like, okay. But then he said something that stood out to me. He goes, we were a little scared. We were a little scared in the first half. And all three of us are looking at each other right now going, I don't know if I saw that. I thought it's, I saw a tactical game plan that was on point. Godoy and McCarty did a fantastic job not allowing Miami to play through them. But I loved how they flipped the script in the second half. They said, no, no, no. This is how we're going to go about it. Godoy's going to have a little bit more freedom. They went after it. I'm going to change the conversation now to big picture. Sash, we haven't seen you for four weeks. League's Cup. You and I saw each other in New York. I'm like, what the hell is this tournament going to be? Don Garber said it's going to be innovative. It's going to be dynamic. It's going to be exciting. Guys, it was more than that. This tournament was on drugs. It was absurd. The drugs that you want to have all day, every day. It is. It was unreal. What the hell just happened for last month? Taylor, you I- You explained I, it to me. I, I woke up my first morning on vacation in Italy. In the mansion. <laughs> no, with with the butler. Yeah, the butler. I woke up. I checked my with phone. With tea and crumpets. And I had ten messages. And I go on Instagram. I go on live score. I check the scores, and I see Messi has scored a free kick. And my kids jumped in bed with me, and we watched the Messi highlights for an hour in bed. Every morning after that, when I was in Europe, were I was waking PJs, up. Were you wearing PJs, like footy pajamas? <laughs> or were you wearing like just shorts and t-shirt? You got to paint the picture for oh, me. Like, you don't want to know, dude. <laughs> you don't want to know. You but were I, wearing a Sasha Klesch and Seton Hall jersey, weren't you? <laughs> oh, those are hard to find, yeah. dude. Those are hanging in the Hall of Fame rafters, dude. Those are hard to get don't, down. Don't tee this man up those for nonsense. Those are hard to right, get listen. down. Uh, get back to Leeds. Honestly, Cup. Leeds. Over there. But honestly, every morning I woke up, the first thing I checked was the score app to check what happened the night before especially when Miami was playing it was just like what did Messi do and I would have a text message from my brother it'd be like Messi did it again and then I'd go watch the highlights with my kids and, and it was amazing the straight to penalties yeah. innovative love love loved it. it love it talk to some players who've played in this tournament they loved it they love the, stands the, out to the me competitiveness too, of it yes. because you get on the field and you look across and you're like, well, we're going to play the game. We might as well play to win. Yeah. And then the crowds have been into it. Yep. So everything about this tournament I loved. I think, uh, and we were talking about it post-game. First place, second place, third place, all from MLS. And, you know, seeing uh, Mikel Ariola on that podium as he's shaking hands with Nashville, as he's shaking hands with Inter-Miami, Messi and company, Inside, he's got to be fuming. He's got to be boiling. He's got to be thinking, where the hell is Club America? 
Where is Monterrey? Where is Tigres? Where, where, where is Chivas? Where are these teams that we've heralded for so long that have dominated this region for so long? Why are they not here playing in this match today or winning the third place match, right? And so I can't wait to see what next year brings because the games, the moments inside the games, the drama outside of the pitch as well have just escalated everything that we could have imagined this tournament would be. Next year is going to be even more. It's going to be even more exciting, more drama. There's going to be, a, I think the level of competition is going to be up because Liga Max teams are going to take this as, I don't know, I don't want to say a humbling moment, but a moment where they're like, hold on, wait a minute. Like, yes. no, th this, this can't play out in this fashion yet again next year. So I'm eager to see where it goes from here, but uh, this was fun. I mean, there have been some crazy moments. Nahel Guzman from, from Tigres. My man brought... <laughs> He, 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 he brought, brought props, props, bro. He brought props onto the pitch for a penalty kick shootout. Like I, I can't, I can't, I can't unsee that. I can't unsee it. But uh, nah, it's been fun, man. So many exciting moments and storylines that have come out of it. He, he, he brought props. I, I just think the penalty kick straight to penalty kicks encapsulates the non-soccer fan, which is important. I think there's an evolution to this. I think there's a second phase to this. How do you give Mexico home games? How do you give Liga MX teams less travel? How do you? There's so many different ways you can go about it. But you know, you hit the jackpot because if this is the first one, well, second, third, fourth, and fifth, there's always room to grow. Before you guys leave, we're going to do some quick questions about the Eastern Western Conference. You guys go through it. It's been over a month since the last MLS game. Cincinnati has an eight-point lead over New England with eleven games to go. Bruce Arena is going to be there. He's not. We have no idea. Petrovic more than likely is going to be moving on to Chelsea for about $20 million, which is insane. But Columbus, Cincinnati, Mo, you're on the call. Can Columbus catch Cincinnati? Or more importantly, will Cincinnati lose this lead in the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done? Oof. I don't know if, if Columbus catches Cincinnati, but that game tomorrow is going to be madness because – we did the last one as well when it was at TQL and the back and forth nature of it. Two teams that so many good components, so many good storylines. I mean, two good coaches, coaches that have clear identities of how they want to play and Pat Noonan for Cincy and then Wilfred Nancy, who's like one of my favorite coaches in this league. And then this last transfer window, I thought Columbus did some great business. Agreed. Bringing in Rudy Camacho, a player that knows Wilfred Nancy's system. He had him in Montreal, Julian Gressel, arguably, maybe it's not even arguably anymore, the best crosser of the ball in this league. And he then is. a proven goal scorer, a player who knows this league and Diego Rossi. So this is three players that can now take your team to a whole nother level. <sighs> Tomorrow night is going to be madness. I think this game will have incredible significance on the table. If Cincinnati can win again, that's quite, quite a storyline in itself. But more importantly, I just look to see Columbus. Can they, can they, do something that I think would be influential in propelling them up the table. I'm not sure if they actually catch Cincinnati, though. That's the thing, Sasha. When I look at it, I don't think Cincinnati loses this late. Now, they just watched Inter-Miami win the League's Cup, and they've now got to host them in the Open Cup semifinal on Wednesday. It's a simple question for me. Does anyone catch Cincinnati in the Supporter Shield or even more so in the Eastern Conference from your perspective? No. I say no. No. New England was the one team that looked like they yes. could. But with whatever the situation is with Bruce Arena, and if Petrovic leaves, their chances go to 0%. Zero. Because tactically, Bruce Arena's teams are set up for their goalkeeper to make four or five saves yeah. every game. Yeah. If Petrovic isn't there, 
it ain't happening. But if you're New England, you have to take the 20 million. You have to. And Petrovich wants to go. He wants to go be a part of a big club. Every player would want to, to have that opportunity. I, I asked Petrovich this point blank at the All-Star game if, if it was his goal eventually to go back to Europe. And he said, yeah, eventually I'd like to. And I'd like to play for a big club. Chelsea's calling. You can't say no. And so that really hurts New England's chances of catching Cincinnati. And I think it helps Cincinnati. Stay in the East. Sash, you were on the record. I loved it. You were bold. You were brash. Inner Miami is not going to make the playoffs. You still believe that right now? Uh, honestly, more than ever, I believe it. Do you? Yes. Why? Because they're going to have success at this and Open Cup? And Open Cup. Then it makes the playoffs not as important. Yep. And now the games they've had to reschedule because of this weekend. Now they play in four days in an Open Cup semifinal. Another massive game. If they win that, it's another game on the schedule. Now you're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Messi never takes a break, but Busquets, Alba, maybe they take a break. They've got some tough away games towards the end of the season as well. you got the international break where maybe one of those rescheduled games might happen. Maybe yes. Messi misses that game. I, I still think it's just too tall a task for Miami to make the playoffs. Mo? I think the biggest challenge would just be the congestion of schedule. Right, the midweek games. That's not and, what I asked you. Yeah, that's I know. what I just yes said. Yes or no? I just, I I just, I just I said that. What are you going to do? Talk yourself in a circle? Yes or no? They're in the playoffs. I'm still trying to convince myself one way or the other. Because listen, <laughs> seeing Messi in this tournament and and the way this team grew and matured and and transformed so quickly, yeah, bro, that's scary, man. That's over a month where you didn't have much training at all. Right, it's just rest, recovery, rest, recovery, get back to playing. Honestly, ultimately, no, ultimately, I think they come up short. Ultimately, I think yeah. they come up a little bit. I mean, short. it's it's twelve, I, it's 12 I, games. They got to win eight of them with two draws at the minimum to get in. Yeah, and and it doesn't matter if they don't make the playoffs. The, it was not two, now. It, yeah, not now. They've won a trophy and they've got a possibility to win another within a month. Yeah, but and I they're just, already in Concacaf Champions Cup, yeah. so they don't. It, it's that's the difference. The play. I mean, it matters. We don't want to make it sound thing, like it man. doesn't matter to them, but they will play, guys, because of the game this upcoming weekend being postponed they will play saturday wednesday until the end of the year if you include the international break what dude there's no way how many games will Messi miss with like internationals one see Maybe man and two. this is this is where uh, this is where i'm conflicted because i don't see Messi being in a situation where the game and he's not one and he's not playing one and two where he's not somehow willing his team to success yeah, we haven't seen it yet. Like that's that's where I struggle. I, I I struggle betting against him. So you got them in the playoffs, or you think they just get out because you've just talked yourself in a circle, and I'm confused. Yeah, this. But I've also had you and I. Concussions. You and I are both. If the telephone rings right now, I'm going to pee my pants. So it's. <laughs> oh my. Sorry, was that too? Is it? Is this thing on? <laughs> is this thing on? All I'm saying is in messy. I trust. All right, let's go to the Western Conference. Naturally, I'm not going to talk to you guys if I don't bring up St. Louis City. I have to bring up St. Louis City. However, the reason why I bring it up. I think opposite of Cincinnati, I think they struggle. I think LAFC runs away with the West in these last 10, 12 games, whatever's left. And why do you say that? Because I believe the same thing. I like what I saw in Champions League, or in in League's Cup, excuse me. Uh, they looked rested. They looked rejuvenated. Denny Buwanga looked like himself, like we saw in the beginning of the season when he was relentless in attack. Couple of additions, couple of players getting healthy. If Chiellini can stay healthy in the back with Aaron Long, get his little rotations and, and rest when he can. Ilya Sanchez gets a little bit of break because he was starting to look a little to. bit tired. He looked old. 
right? But if he gets a little bit of a break, gets a little rotation as well, gets towards the playoffs, I think LAFC starts to start dominating some games again. Mo, make a case for Real Salt Lake right now chasing St. Louis City. You're still thinking? <laughs> I got to tell you, this podcast, I, I, like, I think, we've lost everyone listening because yeah, you just, bro, like, what happened? You can't just ramble. You got to give it some thought, oh, you know? No, and you can and, fake it until you make and, it, kid. <laughs> you know what? Here's here's where I'll go with that is in 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 their manager. I, I think what he's done in terms of the way he's rotated that squad, the way he's made the whole team feel like they're a big part of that team. Yep. It's been incredible. Coming into this tournament, they were on this incredible run of form, and there was so much talk about it. So, I, but you see games on TV is different than when you see them in person. We yes. did their first couple games live in person and uh, versus Seattle and versus Monterey, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like yep. these guys, especially against Seattle, I was like, "This team, this squad, look legit." The one thing that happened to them in this tournament, which is a massive loss, they lost uh, Pablo Ruiz. Yeah, he's a massive part of that midfield. So influential on the ball in possession, tactically organizing that team. And this is where I think they'll get hurt. So this is why I think that ultimately they don't catch St. Louis. Real Salt Lake was brought to my attention from Sasha and Sasha brought it up. And then Mo, you went and did a couple of their games and I was watching those games. Jake and I were just, you know, on the road in our 75,000 different flights we took. But in all seriousness, you watch RSL and you're like, whoa, this is different. Right. And I'm talking, Sasha brought it to my attention. Their away win at St. Louis City was a good away win. Right. They've had good a lot away. of good away wins. They've had a recently. lot of good away wins. And in this league, when you win away, especially with their home field advantage of being in the altitude, if they get their ducks in a row, that's a tough out. Losing Pablo Reese is going to hurt them. Yeah. And I still think LAFC is going to be ultimately the real contender. St. Louis only has five home games left. City Park isn't going to be a huge factor the way it was at the beginning part of the year. But I want to end it with the remaining part of the MLS schedule with this. Because this weekend, Seattle plays Atlanta. Two teams disappointing up to this point for the aspirations of a club. Is there a club in this league that is going to surprise people at the end of the year that maybe we're not talking about or we should? Minnesota. And why is that? I think uh, I think you're seeing the best out of Longwane, who's yep. showing that he is a real, real talent. A Dude, nice he scored gem. seven goals. Nice gem they Best found. He scored ten. He yeah. scored seven. Uh, what Ray, would have been Reynoso? the over under of him winning the Golden Boot yeah. League Cup? Plus seven million. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> carry on. Unbelievable. Sorry. So I think Minnesota, who sits outside the playoff race right now in tenth place, ultimately gets into the playoffs. Between the that front three of Puki, Reynoso, and Longwane, I think they're playing some really exciting football. It's fun to watch, and I think they get into the playoffs. Mo, I'm still really intrigued. With <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, and I don't think they make the playoffs, but I'm intrigued to see what happens with the chaos of LA Galaxy and where they go from here. They've had a couple decent results coming into this tournament, then disappointing, right? A lot of pressure on that club. Right now, they've fallen into the shadow of LAFC. So is it a team that I think is going to make the playoffs? No, but I'm just curious to see what direction this team really goes in right now because I think everything is under an even larger microscope because of LAFC. Yep. That's your rival, your same city neighbor, and they've just taken this league by storm. LA Galaxy have just fallen to the wayward 
right? Losing some big uh, players to injuries at a crucial time. Brugman's out. Chicharito's out. So that puts even more pressure on Ricky Pooch. So I'm just intrigued, I guess. I'm watching to see what happens and see how they finish off this season. I haven't seen enough, but there's always a part of me because doing this job for the last 13 years, Seattle always somehow does something at the end of the year. And I don't know if I see it. I was saying that for the first six months of the season. Yes. Everyone said, oh, aren't you worried about them now? They've lost. And I kept saying, you know, I'm not worried because they've got a veteran team. I'm over it. I'm yeah. worried. And they, why are you it's, worried? It's a year too late. For me, it's Rui Diaz. It's Rui Diaz and Lodero. Yep. They, they, you always want to be a year early and not a year too late. And, and those players are well past their prime now, and they haven't replaced them. And, and I don't know if even next season – it gets better. No, it's going to be the most important offseason in yeah. Seattle Sounders history because yeah. they got to make a decision on Rui Diaz and Ladero, two of the best players in their MLS franchise history. Yeah. Let's put a button on tonight. At some point, all three of us are going to be grandpas. Sasha, or wait, Mo, are you already? You're not chill. already. Oh, my, my chill, chill, um, chill. Sasha, what's the one thing you're going to tell about your tell your grandkids about tonight? I got to watch Messi in person do what he did tonight. Just that goal stands out to me because I had the perfect angle from it from where I was in the stadium, from behind the goal. You know, that's one thing I got to say, but also just the atmosphere in this stadium. It yeah. feels like this is a moment that's been coming for a long time for us American soccer fans, but a moment that is here to stay. And this almost becomes like the base level for this crazy tournament and for a team like Nashville. Mel? First of all, I mean, soccer in this country is here. Like yep. it's, it's like properly here. I was talking to a few fans in, in the midst of this game and, you know, them just giving me their, their perspective on living in Nashville and having been from Nashville and seeing this today for them was, it's still mind blowing because they never dreamt that Nashville would have soccer in this kind of capacity the way that they did. But I think the other part is this league's cup was, I think, incredibly influential in term in in terms of the growth of this league, again, just focusing on first place, second place, third place, all from MLS. You go back and look at some of the matches between Liga Mackey's teams and MLS in this tournament, MLS dominated those. You throw in the fact that Apple's involved now. So it's not just us in this region that are watching these games and focusing on these games and seeing these games. Now the whole world has had a chance, obviously because of Messi's influence too, but the whole world has had a chance to see what we've been seeing year in, year out. The growth of this league, the, the current status of this league also, and where this league can ultimately go. One, I'm going to tell my grandkids, Messi won his 44th trophy. I was in the building. I was holding the mic. Two, Drake Callender's penalty hit the net and rolled all the way back. <laughs> Honestly, have you seen a more direct with pace penalty, and he looked at me on the field after a game. He says, that was my first professional goal. Actually, that was my first goal ever. Dude, his penalty hit the net, went all the way back to half field. Dude, there were some, not only his, there were some crazy good penalties tonight. Sasha. Some of the best penalties we will ever see. And I think instead of rotating the players, coaches should have taken one. Just end it with the coaches. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. The could you, they were could even you imagine more... Tata Martino with a bib on hit that penalty? <sighs> Man. But the penalties were even more impressive because we were watching the huddles, right? The two teams at midfield. And after a, what, like the fifth or sixth penalty was it for Miami? After the fifth. After the fifth. Oh, yeah, after uh, Victoria Nobody Yola wanted missed. to take one. Bro, it was like, I thought we both, we all kind of thought like, oh, this is going to be the turning point. Nashville's going to win because 
no one wanted to. No one did. One was stepped forward, and he stepped back. Another player was stepped forward, and, he, and it was like... And Tata Martino was from the sideline saying, no, Kristoff, take the sixth one. And we were like, Miami's finished. Nobody wants to take a penalty. And then, he and took then they it all like, stepped up and buried him like exactly. top corner. And then Panico takes it, and he's mumbling under his breath, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, no. It, first off, unfair. Yeah. He was great in was this awesome. tournament. He was fantastic even tonight in certain moments. I thought he had a good save early on in the game. Yeah, I'm gutted for him. I'm gutted for him, but I don't know. If, I'm gutted for him, 1,000%. But I wouldn't say unfair because this is the nature of a penalty kick shootout, no, right? No, that's fine. That's fine. And, and you have to know that in an extreme scenario, then you're maybe taking one. So it's a little bit, I've missed penalty kicks, so I'm not going to sit here and yeah, say like, we know. blah, blah, blah. But I'm just saying. We're going to end this podcast with audio <laughs> of your missed penalties. That's fine, man. Run it. Run it. <laughs> Sasha, how many penalties do you miss? I think I missed seven in my career. Seven total? Like seven. professionally or no? Seven. Shootouts as well? No, just professionally. Seven. Yeah, but how many did you take? 28. 28. 70, so, 75%. Oh, that's, well, Messi's 109 for 140. So you guys are the same. We're going to cut that part out. <laughs> Sasha Kleshin, Marisa Du, thank you very much. This is Offside with Taylor Twelman. I'm getting a drink. Let's go. I promised you when we launched this podcast, we were going to give you behind-the-scenes content. What a perfect place to do so. On the field, in the booth, in the locker room. But I couldn't have done it without Sasha Kleshin, Marisa Du, Drake Callender, Kamal Miller, Robert Taylor, and yeah, you too, Paul Taylor, Robert Taylor's dad. Thank you guys for joining us on the show. I promised you content behind the scenes that was on the field, that was in the locker room, that was in the booth. Really an enjoyable four weeks covering League's Cup. So remember to leave us a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. Offside with Taylor Twoman is a Major League Soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and Rain Delay Media. Our executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. John was our editor. Michael Gino is our engineer. Marie Cecile Anderson was our field engineer. Jonah Buchanan is our associate producer. Jonah and Iggy Monda are our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker. And I'm your host, Taylor Twelman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts. But what a run. This is the worst team in MLS regular season. 18 points, 22 goals scored in 22 games. He shows up, Busquets, Alba, Martino. They score 22 goals in seven games. They win League's Cup. Sports is the most amazing thing in the world. And I'll tell you, I feel honor and privilege to be sitting here tonight to watch Lionel Messi win his 44th trophy, which is more than any player in the history of the game.